Hi, I'm Graham Nolan, creator of Bane, Joe Frankenstein, Sunshine State, and Monster Island. You are listening to Crusader Chronicles. Read them all. You're listening to Crusader Chronicles episode 43, featuring Amazing Spider-Man number 187 and X-Men number 116 from September 1978. Welcome to the 43rd episode of Crusader Chronicles Podcast. I'm your host, Pat, a.k.a. DJ Christatos. Crusader Chronicles is a podcast that will journal the comic book issues read chronologically by the release date from my comic book collection, either in a digital, in a trade, or from the many long boxes stashed away in my basement. Each episode will provide short recaps, reviews, and ratings of the issue or issues for this release date. The goal is to keep me actively reading through my collection and having some fun along the way talking about the comics with my friends. And speaking about my friends joining me for this episode, we'll start with Jerry. Albrick, the yard sale artist, aka Death Probe. Hey, Pat. <coughs> hey, Pat. Hey, I'm fine. Hey. Uh, Don't sound good. No, it's uh, it's uh, down here in Alabama. We're currently recording in June, and it's the cold and plague season. <laughs> Which one you got? Cold or uh, the plague? I'm not sure. Uh, <coughs> I'll be fine. I'll be fine. <laughs> I don't know if he's gonna be fine. <laughs> I don't know either. If I, <coughs> excuse me, if I uh, really start feeling bad, I'll go outside. I've got an electrical box. I'm going to jam my fist right in that sucker. I'll be good to go. I hear that's a good cure. I was going to say you should take some of that energy, but um, I, you're, I think you're taking it, not electrical, but, I, you know, the stuff that you drink. I'm I love your life. Electrolytes? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, don't worry about it. I'm, uh, I'll be fine. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll check on you. With- Pretty sure I have the plague. All right, well, I hope you start to feel better. And if you are going not to, uh, just kind of, you know, maybe text us. Let us know. (laughs) Anyway, we'll go ahead and move on to Jason the Weasel Skull Albrecht. Hey, Pat. Um, Finances are a little tight, so I was kind of hoping maybe now would be a good time to talk about a raise. Oh, um... Well, we can talk about that, Jason. Uh, I'm just going to need you to do a little more editing for me, and then we can probably... Well, we'll talk about it. All right, so I do some editing, and we'll talk about my raise. Yeah, here, I'll I'll give you this. Let me give you this uh, recording to to, to edit, and then we'll do it. Yep. Yes, I'm going to get a raise. (laughs) He's not going to get a raise. (laughs) Narrator, he never got that raise. (laughs) Oh, let's see how Delvin the Dark Web Williams is doing. Hey, so you want to know how I'm doing? Why don't you ask me? Well, Delvin, I'm glad you asked me to ask you how you're doing. <laughs> well, that you asking me? Are you asking me how I'm doing? Yes. <laughs> oh, well, what am I supposed to say here? I, well, I, I can't tell you how I'm doing, Pat. That's oh. what. Why don't you scram? Get away. Get out of here. I'm not telling you, guys, you how I'm doing. It took me a while to get the bit, but I, yeah. I get it. You know, you guys, you know, Elvis just doesn't seem Sorry. like himself. 
<laughs> it's just not like Delvin to do that to us. Well, well you get, get out of here, Pat. Just, just go. I can't tell you how I'm doing. I can't do that. Well, maybe get my shield. Wish I, I, wish I really I want sweat. <laughs> it's a cold sweat, too. Oh, it's all references to the comic book. Yes, yeah, I got you. Yeah, yeah. You will. Yeah. You will. That's what makes sure the listeners were all tied in. <laughs> it took me a while in the Delvin one. I wasn't getting that one. I was like, man, it's time. <laughs> I just waiting for you to ask me how I was doing. Was <laughs> <laughs> uh, with that, why don't we get into the fancy part of the show? Is this where I get to talk about Omaha Bound? You do, I think. You do. All right, because you know they're, they're your best source for hardbinding all your precious comic books, man. Get a collection. Get it hardbound. We're talking unique covers. Tim does an amazing job. I have several volumes. I've been told I have volumes on their way to my house Ooh, right now. Because yes. even though I am so fancy, my fanciness is about to be taken to the next level of fanciness. Super fancy. So fancy for sure. I'm so fancy. <laughs> Super fancy. Super fancy. Super fancy now. <laughs> He's got a sweet collection. <laughs> the kind you don't take home to my dad. Omaha, bro. just now. Want to get her off the street? OmahaBound.com. Go there today. <laughs> Super freak. Super freak. Super freak. Omaha Bound. She's all right. She's all right. It's the most off script uh, <laughs> shout out for our sponsor, but, but also one of my favorites. Eh, maybe he may not. <laughs> we maybe we lost him just there. <laughs> they oh, can't well. all be winners. <laughs> nope. All right. Now, before we get started with this episode's issues, let's go ahead and take a quick podcast promo break, and we will be right back. Born out of violence, adopted in chaos, teenager Cassandra Kane is seeking the answer to a question. If nurture can undo nature, raised to be an assassin, Cassandra is trying to burn the pages of her past and write a whole new future. So I'm throwing gasoline a vengeance And I'm lighting matches with my pain Now I'm sick can write to us at thehuntresspodcast.com or go to Twitter at Huntress Podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your other podcatchers. This podcast shares a feed with the Huntress Podcast, the Bad Girl Cassandra Kane Podcast. Cheers. Welcome back from the break. Now let's get to the first featured comic for this episode, and it's Amazing Spider-Man number 187. The credits for this issue are provided by Mike's Amazing World of Comics. 
publisher was Marvel. It's got a cover date of December 1978. Its on sale date was September 12th, 1978. Got a cover price of still only 35 cents. Editor was Marv Wolfman and writer. Marv Wolfman. Penciler is Jim Starlin. Inker, Bob McLeod. And the Clan McLeod. Letter is Annette Kawicki. Colors is Michelle Wolfman. Ow. Lady-o. <laughs> you can read along with us in reprints in Essential Spider-Man Volume 9, trade paperback, or also on the Marvel Unlimited app. And we hope you do. It makes it more fun. Cover credits go to Art by Keith Pollard. Speaking about the cover, let's get a description of it from Jared. Happy to do it, Pat. For this episode, I'm going to sing the cover description in an aria of eloquence. I'm just kidding. I'm not. Here we go. <laughs> The Marvel Comics banner is true blue max blue with black letters. Spider-Man stands at attention in his blue corner box. The Amazing Spider-Man logo is big red one red with black ops highlights. And it has been issued the webs. The main action shows Captain America on the Tet Offensive as Spider-Man tries to maneuver and flank out of the way of Cap's rolling thunder of punches. Viewing this hero-on-hero shock-and-awe moment is Electro but he's outside of the kill box with only a shadow shown beyond the battlefield. Spider-Man wonders to himself, I don't get it. Why is Captain America after me? As Cap is saying, I told you to get out of here, Spider-Man. Do I have to smash you to stop you? Confirming the aforementioned shadow operation is a text box that adds, and lurking in the shadows, Electro. They're all military references. I got it. Yeah. Okay, good. Delvin, you're on the Cap smashing a crate sound. Pat, you're on Spider-Man's whatever noise he would be making at that moment. And uh, Jason, yeah, I need you to electro, you know, kind of electrostatic in the background. Okay. Three, two, one, go. That was the slide whistle. I noticed the slide whistle <laughs> as he was moving out of the way. That was, was nice. A good smash of the crate, little buzzing in the background. That's perfect. I think Marvel should contact us to have us do this for all their covers. So, like, yeah. you pick up a Marvel Comics cover, you tap a little button on the cover, and just our little sound effect plays. While you yeah, with the it. minute they open it up, it's like those... Cr- these, like a greeting, uh, greeting card. card. Yeah, yeah. You open it up and... You know, there we are. <laughs> there we are. <laughs> You'll know it's a Marvel cover if you hear the sound. <laughs> Sweetums. Pork face. I love you. Pork face. <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, thank you for that electrifying cover description, Jared. Let's mm-hmm. get some quick cover thoughts on it, and we will start with Jason. I like it. It's got Captain America, which is always a plus. Fighting Spider-Man, so you got some hero versus hero action going on in the foreground. You got the menace of Electro, the shadow, the dark shadow in the background. I think the yellow colors in the background really make the reds and the blues of Cap and Spidey pop. All in all, this is a a pretty strong cover. The only little thing that annoys me is I'm kind of getting tired of these Marvel's TV sensation blurbs. I mean, (laughs) it's kind of a small thing, but it does kind of annoy me. Jared, what do you think? I absolutely adore this cover. Let's just go ahead and get this out of the way for this episode. When people ask me, what was your first comic book? I say, this is it. It's kind of a lie because there was comics that Jason had around the house. So I'd read other comics, but this is the one I distinctly remember going to a flea market with Jason. Uh, I believe my grandmother took us and pulled this out of a bin, had just enough money to buy one, and this cover is what sold me on it. I mean, look at it. 
It's Cap versus Spidey. Tremendous amount of movement and action. That yellow background makes everything in the foreground just jump right off the page. The shadow of Electro. I'm certain there's nostalgia involved here because I was so happy to have bought this quote-unquote vintage comic. You know, I was probably about eight or nine at the time, so it wasn't that old, but it was so cool to me at the time when we were paying uh, 65, 75 cents to see that 35 cent cover price. Oh, that's old, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just loved it and I adored it. I can still smell it right at this moment. I can smell that, that comic book <laughs> as I read it coming home from the flea market and the Jason read it and then I read it and the Jason read it and then I read you, it. <laughs> you sure that's not Delvin's uh, these nuts candles that you smell? Hey, you know what? Uh, that's exactly what that is. I'm sorry. <laughs> I got confused. Anyway, I will just go on and on. I just think it's a wonderful drawing. I do want to point out one thing that I found amusing is that when Pollard signed it, I don't know if this is his standard signature, but it really looked like he was setting up an anchor, like Pollard slash. Yeah. And then there was no anchor. He ended up inking himself as if they they probably were like, uh, Keith, (laughs) can you, uh, go ahead and ink that? Oh, okay. Well, he did a fabulous job. Uh, Most of the time, now that I'm a little bit seasoned in the quote unquote industry, I've you know published exactly one comic book, uh, but I can kind of tell when artists think themselves now, and I couldn't tell here. I would have guessed this was an Esposito job, and it wasn't. I'm impressed top to bottom. I've said enough. I'll talk more about this comic book later. Over to you, Pat. I agree with uh, you and Jason on this. This is a cover that really pops the yellow play off the play of the the red and the blue. Make that just really stand out to me. I think that this is just the first time Cap's we're seeing Cap in a Spidey. So very interesting to see that. The artwork again is just amazing on this cover and the inks as well too. So I, I think you, you two have said enough. So let's see what Delvin has to say. Yeah, I'm not used to being the one that's bringing up the rear, but... I'm more than happy to do it in this case because it's a joyous occasion. Yet I picked this cover up at one of the Comic-Cons or picked this book up at one of the Mm Comic-Cons. And there is something about that cover that really just does it for me. And maybe it's that contrast in colors. Jared, could you bring out your color wheel for me, please? Absolutely. It's um, color wheel time. You'll it's notice it's all primary time. colors. The yes. There's, there's your yellow. There's mm-hmm. your blue. And there's your red. Yep. All the equidistant from each other on the color wheel. Gotcha. So they didn't even have to add electro shadow in there, but it didn't mm-hmm. come across as corny. It came across as cool and recognizable because Electro, he's an OG Spidey villain. I think he's been around since Amazing Spider-Man 6. Spider-Man's in a cool action pose. Captain America's awesome, and his costume always pops, and they're doing a cool action thing. Outstanding cover. Really enjoy it. Well, with that description out of the way, let's go ahead and get to some cover ratings for this issue. And it's a one through five cover rating. Five, as you loved it, it tickled your tummy feathers. And I think I know whose it did. (laughs) Four, you really liked it. Three, you liked it. And two, you didn't like it. And one, it ruffled your tummy feathers. Let's go ahead and find out what it did for Pat. Pat, well, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to give this a five. I loved it. It tickled my tummy feathers. (laughs) Did it tickle Jared's tummy feathers? Oh, my tummy feathers are just the peak of stimulation. This is absolutely a five. Delvin? Astute listeners would remember from last episode, we threw in a little spoiler, and I was like, the cover's a five, and Jared's like, yep, cover's a five, and woe be it unto me 
to go against my word, this cover is five. It's fantastic. Now let's find out. Will we get to get to everybody get up or will we get down? I don't know. We'll find out when I ask Jason this important question. Jason, how would you rate this cover? This cover's a five. It's going on my wall. <gasps> everybody get up, up. singing. One, two, three. Four. Really? Did we all do it? Five with you. Hell no. All right. See, I did something right today. I did something right. <laughs> Damn it. Feels good. Jason's back. Jason's back, baby. <laughs> they believed in you, Jason. You said <laughs> it. You believed it. It came true. <laughs> made him hear it, made him feel it, made him believe it. Oh, I love it. Fives right. across the board. Yeah. Well, now that we're on that high, let's go ahead and keep the ball rolling with one of Delvin's great synopsis. While attending a demonstration in radiology, high school student Peter Parker was bitten by a spider which had accidentally been exposed to radioactive rays. Through a miracle of science, Peter soon found that he had gained the spider's powers and had, in effect, become a human spider. A Spider-Man. Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man. title of this book is The Power of Electro. Okay, there isn't going to be any clever song interwoven or theme this time. I'm giving my Crusader partners the next five seconds to boo, hiss, or curse me out. Go. The rest of you mooks, you get what you paid for, which is nothing. <laughs> except, like it. except if you're Crusaders Club members, in which case, thank you, and I'll take your 17 and a half cents to the bank like the miser I am. Anyway, the synopsis. Spidey is outside of the Indian PowerPoint station, which apparently has been boarded off and surrounded by S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. Why? He needs money. He broke. And J.J.J. sent him there because J.J.J. got a scoop and needed someone to take pics. With the general Spidey musing going on about women problems like Betty Brant and Mary Jane, he's interrupted by none other than Captain America who tells Spidey to buzz off and does not go into telling him why he's telling him to buzz off. Spidey doesn't like this and needs convincing. Cap convinces him. Wow, wow. Spidey buzzes off. S.H.I.E.L.D. informs Cap that the only place the as-of-yet-unseen quarry can be is at the power plant on a hill. Cue a backstory to a rich kid who was bitten by a rat and apparently caught a rare but potent disease And as the kid was sent off to get cured, he gets kidnapped. Back to present, where Cap finds the kid, but also the powerful Electro, 
was looking to cash in on both the kidnapping ransom and destroying the power plant. Good thing Spidey stuck around because they hand Electro his green and yellow behind and Cap then reveals that the rich kid has the plague. Ugh. Electro freaks out and plunges his hands into the controls of the power plant, hoping to burn out the plague, but instead overloads himself and destroys the power plant with him inside it, as Spidey, Cap, and the rich kid escape, leaving everything else wrapped up but the inevitable cover-up S.H.I.E.L.D. has to do for the busted-up power plant. Back to you, Pat. Thank you, Delvin, for the, that synopsis. It's was. It was electric. Pay for you. Shut it, Jared. You shut it. <laughs> shut it. Let's get to the brick or brack for this issue. Is it a first read or a reread? Well, I think I know what Jared says, <laughs> but let's find out. We'll start with me, Pat. Well, Pat, I'm glad you asked. It's a first read for me, Pat. Delvin. Since it's already ruined, it's a reread for me. Oh, Jared. It's a re 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 read for me. So you've read this one before? A couple times, yeah. Okay. Just want to make sure I got the count right. Yes. More than once. Jason? It's a re 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 for me. Well, with that. I don't know what to do here. I'm sad. It, well, it's a re 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 Except for me. That's a first timer. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking about being your first time, let's get to some highs, lows, or what does. We'll start with Delvin. All right. We'll go with a high. This was a self-contained issue, I think. Dang. It was interesting, though, because at the end... It's like, do you have questions? And I was like, no. <laughs> you told the whole story. <laughs> no, I got it. I, got it. <laughs> I don't have any questions. But this is being part of the whole whatever guy from the last issue that's kind of controlling things and like setting these so-called villains to go against Spidey now. You know, first maybe, maybe you might be right. Yeah, because. Well, that wasn't even a high I was given. Like, don't hijack me, Jason. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the high, highs and lows. <laughs> the high that I was going to give was Jim Starlin. I don't know if I've ever seen Jim Starlin draw a Spider-Man comic book. So if if I have, I don't remember it. I liked his work. I didn't necessarily think that it would translate well to an amazing Spider-Man comic book, but he did a very good job and I enjoyed his artwork. That's my high. Jason. Yeah. In addition to agreeing with Delvin on the artwork, I thought the story, it was a very self-contained story with lots of action. It was entertaining and it had a nice balance between uh, Spider-Man and the action with Spider-Man and Peter Parker. And you got to see some of the, you know, normal day-to-day troubles of being broke and Aunt May's in a nursing home and, and Betty, Betty's back in his life and should he or shouldn't he? So it had just a nice blend of all of the elements that make a good Spider-Man story. Jared? I haven't actually read this one. (laughs) (laughs) What? (sighs) Oh, man. Uh, You know what? Let's just keep it simple for a high. Captain freaking America. Mm. Always welcome here. A little bit, the way he was written didn't make a lot of sense. Delvin made light of it in the intro about how he's not terribly communicative but you know they got to find reasons to make heroes fight 
Yeah. Uh, so I, I, you know, I knew they had to do that, but still, Cap is awesome. He looked awesome. It was cool to see an A-lister guest star in the book. I'm trying to think the last time we saw Spidey team up with an A-lister. I, I, it's not coming to mind. I mean, Nova was cool, but he's not A-list. He oh, teamed yeah, up with Punisher. him. He's on A-list. Punisher. But... Yeah, Punisher, I would say. Probably <laughs> he's on A-list. Check it. <laughs> uh, Punisher, yeah. Probably the last time we saw a- A-list Punisher. A little bit of Nightcrawler. But it's been a while. And so it's kind of just cool. Uh, I just like seeing Cap. So that's going to be my high-end round one. What about you, man? I'm going to kind of piggyback up a few things on there. Uh, with Delvin, I really like the art. And with you, I really enjoyed seeing Cap in this. Although it was done in the Marvel kind of style at, at the time, where if two heroes come together, they got to fight each other first, and then well, let's work together as a team. But that was okay. The way they did it, I really liked it. We'll go around and start with Delvin uh, for a second round. Delvin? You know, I also liked the team-up of Spider-Man and Captain America. It's not a team up that you get to see often. Like, yep, Spidey was on the Avengers and stuff, but I'm talking about just simply Spider-Man and Captain America being together or team up. That is rare. It does not happen a lot. And Spider-Man, as it was really more revealed later, he loves Captain America. He he kind of reveres Captain America to where he looks up to him and respects who he is as a man and as a superhero, probably that whole responsibility kick. So I always like seeing them together and I hope to see them more in the future because just the dynamic of the two alone, I really, really liked it. It was fun seeing them hand electronics, but I mean, as soon as I cap alone was struggling a little bit with electro, as soon as Spidey came into the picture, game over quickly. And I don't know. Something about that was cool to see and just made me want to see more of the team up. Yeah, definitely. Jason. Where Cap just slams his shield right into Electro's nuts. <laughs> that's just awesome. Tummy feathers. <laughs> tummy <laughs> feather hit. Yeah, that's anytime you see a tummy feather hit like that, man. Boy, <laughs> the look on Electro's face. I'm staring at it right now. That's just <laughs> that panel made my day. <laughs> I know it's very specific, but anytime, anytime <laughs> Cap slams a shield in somebody's boy parts, man, that's funny. <laughs> I might know uh, his, uh, his silly Spidey moment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still chuckling about it. Jared, high, low, or what the? Uh, I'm going to give a high to the art, guest penciler. I know somebody already did that, but I want to be very, very, very specific. Just some really great moments. Content page seven i believe is cap punching spidey very dynamic as spidey flies towards the camera or the reader very very cool two pages later cap simply running down the street with amazing mm-hmm. dynamic action a couple pages after that cap busted the door like the kool-aid man oh yeah thank you next page after that electro bursts out of the his costume and caps all shocked no pun intended and then the cap and spidey dual punch just every other page is like this pop, pop, pop moment that just looks great. So even though I know he's a guest penciler, Starlin, this is clearly a, a fill-in issue. Starlin did a great job. Really stepped up. I want to add one thing. Even before that double punch with Cap and Spidey, how uh, Cap used his shield to trip Electro. Mm-hmm. 
you don't see him doing that a lot. And that's, that was so cool how he used the shield to just completely take Electro's feet out from under him. Just a very good tactical drawing. I like that. Very cool. We're all kind of just gushing over this one, I think. It, it was a very well drawn. What? Constructed. I thought you were talking about the book overall, so I was just. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree. Uh, it was very all uh, written, it was art and design and layout. Like you said, Delvin, very well constructed. I enjoyed the story as well, too, in it with the, the kind of backstory with the kid having the plague and kind of what's going on with it. It, it kind of suckered me in with that. Like, oh, what's wrong with this kid? What's happening? And, and then he gets taken and then Cap being so secretive is like, whoa, what's so secretive about this kid that, you know, what's going on here? Really pulled me in on this one. Then you have the dynamic between Cap and Spider-Man, frenemies. But then, they're, you know, the besties at the end. I uh, really enjoyed this issue. And with the building of the backstory of what else is happening and that cliff, I don't want to say cliffhanger at the end, but that, you, you know, you think you've seen it, but you haven't. There's more to come. And I think that it's building up to a, a bigger thing with all these different uh, villains that are going after Spidey. If you noticed, they didn't reveal who the kidnapper was. No. Like, I, I looked, and at first I thought Electro was the kidnapper. No, he was not. Electro was there to destroy the power plant. We don't know how the kid got there. Some like Maybe someone nabbed that kid and put him there. Maybe he was going to get him later. Who knows? But the idea that Electro had was, look, I was supposed to come here to destroy this power plant, but... Now, if I turn this kid in, then I'm going to get a million dollars and the $25,000 that I was going to get to destroy this power plant. So we don't know who the kidnapper was. I also like I also like seeing the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. It was kind of interesting that Cap was kind of hanging out with the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. Well, because Dum Dum Dugan rocks a bowler cap. We all know how fashionable those are. (laughs) It's a baller bowler, too. In their tracksuits that they kind of got going on, too. Mm -hmm. Tracksuits and bowlers? Yep, that's right. <laughs> Doing that, been there, done that. Made a podcast about it. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking about that, Dum Dum Dugan too is he mentions at this time you have the Godzilla comic book that's going on as well too. So he kind of plays off of that as well with mentioning, uh, you know, why don't we just do what we did with that guy when we had that Godzilla incident before and kind of do the same thing. So that caught me, and I'm like, ah, oh, I, I remember that. So. Pretty sure he used a line like that a few years later with Transformers too. You're right. Yeah. yeah. See, Ooh, my worlds are colliding. I know, right? It's craziness. Yeah. <laughs> Up is left, down is cats. <laughs> <laughs> I got to pull a pat and jump in for one more thing here too. Jared, do you have any high lows or what does extras? I do. Our friend Gene Hendricks reached out to me because he was almost on tonight's episode, but circumstances. Anyway, he wanted us to make sure, because he's from New Jersey, he he was always kind of befuddled about how the geography didn't work out, because Mm he said New Jersey was south of the power plant, but then he realized Indian Point is not in New York City, it's to the west, and it sticks out just far enough to where New Jersey is actually south of that power plant. So he was wanted me to include that tonight. So this has been your geography lesson from Geography Gene. Nice. Gene, Gene, the geography machine. Mm-hmm. He's got the lats. He's got the longs. He's got the north, south, east, west. 
He's got the legend. That's on a map. On a map. Mm-hmm. Magnetic North, True North, Grid North. That's just too far, Jason. <laughs> you know, when I go and I want to find out what's my directions, I usually go and get the directions from Gene Maps. Yeah. Gene Maps are all like, at the next intersection, make a left, and Quasar is underrated. <laughs> Thanks, Gene Maps. Does anybody else have any additional highs, lows, or what does for this issue? Just a quick shout out to Electro. I thought it was a really good use of the villain. I liked how his greed got him into that uh, situation where he got the COVID, got, got the COVID, and then, <laughs> and then his greed got him again when he tried to purge himself of it through the dynamo oh, and yeah. ended up blowing himself up. I thought that was pretty interesting. Good use of the villain. I agree. It was good. All right. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get to the silly Spidey for this issue. And we'll start with Delvin. It seems like we all have our things that we rely on. And it looks like I pulled Jonah out a lot. It was just funny, even though he didn't say anything. When he said that he was going to have a talk with Peter Parker about a raise. And he was like, he'll talk and I'll say no. <laughs> I was like, that's just, <laughs> that's just messed up. <laughs> but it's funny. So that's my silly spotty. Jared? I'm not going to front. Same one. Just <laughs> Jonah being Jonah. There's not okay. a lot of other humor in the book. It's like a kidnapped kid and the plague and stuff like that. But Jonah being Jonah is always, always welcome. Jason? What about you, Jason? Cap shield smashed to the junk on the right junk. <laughs> that, that got, got me laughing. <laughs> what about you, Pat? I am going to choose the Jonah one as well, too. Like you said, there wasn't really a lot of humor in this particular issue. There wasn't a lot of uh, spidey banter as well, too. I mean, there was one where he kind of called himself out on it, but I didn't think that was really too funny. So I'll go. I'm going to go with the Jonas on this one. I mean, there was a line that was pretty funny when uh, Cap tells, I think, Electro to stop or freeze or whatever. And, and Spidey was like, all this time I've been using these quips and I could have just told him to stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot that was. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> like, does that work for you? Does that actually work? <laughs> well, maybe if you're Captain America, it might. But... Like, stop. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah? That's it? Just like that? <laughs> Let's go ahead and get into some ratings for this issue. Uh, Just a reminder for everybody, it's a one through five. It's five, you loved it, it tickled your tummy feathers. Four, you really liked it. And three, you liked it. Two, you didn't like it. And one, it ruffled your tummy feathers. We'll start with Jason this round. Well, I'm kind of a homer for this book. And uh, so I'm going to give it a five. I really love this book. And I mean, does it deserve a five if I look at it? purely you know professionally eh, maybe not but it is a really fun book a really good read and uh it's getting the nostalgia bump from me and jared exactly the same for the exactly same reasons i think if i was objective about it it's probably a four but i'm not we all know that sits me in nostalgia feels um much like lover boy i'm loving every minute of it (laughs) (laughs) so i'm giving it a five I'll pass it to Delvin. Well, also, much like Loverboy, pig and elephant DNA just don't splice. I don't know if you knew that or not. It was from South Park. <laughs> oh, I remember that now. Pig and elephant DNA just won't splice. Man, that's an old memory. Yeah. Oh, early South Park. 
I didn't see it, but I've been visioning it in my mind, and it's funny. <laughs> Early part. So anyway, I'm giving it a five. And I don't have the nostalgic bump, but just something about it, it hit me in the right tummy feathers today. I read it. The art was a little bit different. I was expecting a Keith Pollard book again because I couldn't remember in my head who wrote it, even though I read the story. Or excuse me, who drew it, even though I read the story. But seeing the art, I enjoyed it. I liked the one-and-done story, and maybe it's telling something a little bit in the future about who this mastermind is. So maybe it's connected, not just quite the one-and-done we think, but even so, the one-and-done was really, really, really good. So, Mm -hmm. Pat? Uh, You know what, boys? We are on the five kick again. (laughs) Man! Yeah, guys, I really liked it when I sat down to read it. I was thinking, oh, man, this might be a... You know, a long, longer story here, but I read through it pretty quickly and enjoyed it. Five, two, so, three, four. I get down and I'll get down. Man. Wow, that's acoustic. <laughs> Man, Chronicles is rocking some fives. Yeah, I wonder if X Men's going to be nice. able to keep up. Getting nice, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I like the X Men one. Yeah. It, was, it was something. It was something. That's gonna bring us to the end of this part of the show. You want to hear more about what we think about the X Men? Stick around because we will get right to it after this message. We will be right back. In a world filled with movie themed podcasts. Thousands speak their minds, shouting their opinions into the void. Into this terrifying world of sound and noise, a new podcast about movies dares to raise its head. Appearing on the Longbox Crusade Network, in association with Jeffener Present, it is the era of monthly Monday movie muckabout. Listen as people are challenged to see films that they have missed or failed to see. Hear their new appreciation for films from years past. Experience the discussions of film fans. Is the world ready for monthly Monday movie muckabout? Yes. Yes, it is. And cut. Perfect, Jeff. Great. So when are we going to start this show? Um, just me. This is my new show. I thought we talked about this. Uh, then why am I doing your promo? Because in reality, I'm an egotistical puppet master that uses people for his own profit and fame. Huh. Eh, fair enough. Da-da-da-da, monthly Monday movie muck about, watch a movie with me. Welcome back from the break. Now let's get to the second featured comic for this episode, and it is X-Men number 116. The credits for this issue are again provided by Mike's Amazing World of Comics. Publisher was Marvel, got a cover date of December 1978, but its on-sale date was September 19th, 1978. Cover price is still only 35 cents. Editor was Roger Stern. Writer was Chris S. Claremont. S. You know they're making a three? Did you see the trailer? Pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Bill and Ted face the music. I never saw one into. Oh my goodness. That album for the movie has some pretty good soundtrack on it. Anyway, penciler was John Byrne, inker Terry Austin, letterer is Tom Orzhakowski, 
and colorist is whoa, Dennis whoa, Green. Whoa, How did you get that one day? I saw Y'all coached Y'all coached We've had time on before. I don't care. I just... <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. I'm just, I, I felt the, you know, because when Tom was on some Spider-Man, wasn't he? No. What was George? He's Coast been around on something. We've cut, Star Wars? used his name before. Maybe it's Star Wars. Maybe. Maybe it's just late and he's tired and he's not overthinking. <laughs> Either way, I'm proud. I, I was, I'm, too. I'm unexpectedly proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm growing up. The boy's all grown up. He's yeah. grown up and he's grown up and he's grown up. This this episode is so much like when we were doing it like two years ago, where just anything goes. <laughs> I love it. You can read along with us in reprints in Classic X-Men number 22 or the Marvel Masterworks volume 24, Essential X-Men volume 1, or Uncanny X-Men Omnibus Volume 1, also on the Marvel Unlimited app. Cover credits go to penciler John Byrne and inker Terry Austin. And let's get a cover description from Jared. The Marvel Comics Group banner is Green Chili's Green with Black Letters. The floating heads of Banshee, Colossus, Storm, Wolverine, Cyclops, and Nightcrawler are in the Caliente corner box. The X-Men logo is purple with yellow pepper highlights, and it's still uncanny. The main action features Colossus, and he's fired up, literally. He's tied to a stake with Kazar and Banshee, and the molten ground beneath his feet is heating up his metallic form to white-hot intensity. The villain, who I don't care enough about to remember the name, shouts... Garak. Thank you. The petrified man. (laughs) Do not care. (laughs) Death to those who violate the land and laws of the sun god. And a cover blurb across the bottom reads... To save the savage land, back you, Pat. Oh, wait, I forgot sound effects. <laughs> I was wondering. <laughs> All right, Pat, you can make Garrock noises. Delvin, you can do the Colossus, what it sounds like when he's heating up. Good luck with that. And Jason, you are on Muffled Banshee. <laughs> okay. And here yeah. we go. Three, two, one. Hey, you're on mute, damn it. Take off all your clothes. Get off of my land, sandwich land, you meddling kids. Get a little bit of and a little bit That's a banshee scream when it's his mouse block. I heard some muted banshee screams. I heard some uh, Nelly, I think. Yes. <laughs> Nelly. I had a very angry, uh, whatever his name is. Petrified man. He was old man. Oh, gotcha. I gotcha. Well done. Get off my lawn. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for that burning description on the cover. And we're going to get to some quick cover thoughts. And we will start with Jason and go around. I like this cover. Number one, it's pretty close to the action that happens in the book, which I like. It's got a very dramatic pose with uh, Colossus um, heating up red hot from the flames in the foreground. And then you've got Kazar and uh, Banshee there kind of uh, just behind him. I kind of agree with Jared Garrick's kind of a forgettable villain. So, you know, he's neither plus or minus. The Petrified Man. And the purple X-Men is kind of unique. You don't see that often. I think there's an interesting little color scheme that they use. So so overall, I, I was pretty impressed with this cover. Delvin? It's John Byrne, so it's well-drawn. I'm not crazy about the cover for whatever reason, even though it does look like the two X-Men and Kazar and Dire Straits. It is different, and I'll give it that much, because they have been, in recent covers, you know, they try to 
put all of the uh, new, all new, all different X-Men. And they feel strong enough about the team to move away from having to put all of them on there. So that was kind of cool. What do you think, Jared? Um, yeah, it's okay. It's an okay cover. I'm with Jason. I really like the purple and yellow logo change. That was an interesting mix. Other than that, yeah, Petrified Man, I don't care. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I know this makes me something of a dude, bro. But for about two and a half seconds, I was like, who is the blonde chick? Tied up with the stake. Look at this. What? <laughs> what is Sue Storm doing here? And it was actually Kazar. Uh, I realized that in a little bit of short order, but I had to laugh at myself for just being an idiot. Uh, other than that, you know, the color work of Colossus turning white hot, not bad. And like I said, it happened in the book. So uh, I'm all right with it. I'm not crazy about it, but I don't dislike it. That should give you a hint as to what my score is going to be. Back to you, Pat. Yeah, three. Well, again, I enjoyed the artwork on this cover. I think it's very neat. I like the coloring as well, too. I think because of there's so much different colors going on on here, probably doing that different color in the X-Men logo made it stand out a lot more. Again, all that color that's going on. Yeah, the petrified man. Get off my lawn. <laughs> yeah. But... Rap Wait. music's not real music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Other old man phrases. <laughs> Someone's got to take me to my appointment. Everything made in the 90s was lazy. <laughs> I was an old man ahead of my time. <laughs> Y'all slackers. Well, let's go ahead and get into some ratings for this issue. And it's a one through five. Five is you loved it. It gave you a ring to swing from. Four, you really liked it. Three, liked it. Two, you didn't like it. And one, you hated it. It turned you into a baby. <laughs> Jared, one through five. Uh, Jason rightly predicted my score. I'm going to land it on a three. It's just fine. And I will pass it to Jason. Yeah, I'm going to bump it up one. I really liked this one. I remember as a kid going through the comic book box and just seeing this one. And it really did grab my attention at the time. I just find the use of the colors very unique and interesting. So yeah, I'm going to go four for me. Delvin. I'm with Jared. I give it a three. It didn't move me. So three it is. Pat. Well, guess what, boys? I'm giving it a four. I'm with Jason on this one. Two cool guys back in action. Two flaming hot guys. <laughs> Definitely flaming. <laughs> Wait a minute. Against two. <laughs> You're speaking for yourself on this. <laughs> <laughs> two middlemen. I believe the Delvin and I are two cool guys. <laughs> and we are two flaming, flaming guys. <laughs> guys. <laughs> two snaps up and a twist. Tell you what, you guys can enjoy your Petrified Man cover and Delvin and I. I'd like it for the colors. <laughs> How could you get the, the chicks from two hot guys? <laughs> I think with your flaming hot, it's yeah. <laughs> we're we're, attract, we're attracting the wrong. Uh, oh, right. Yeah, that's... no, no, no. Let, let, yeah, let's side it when you're flaming hot, no one wants to touch you because you're too hot. Yes, too hot to handle. Too cold to hold. All cut loose, in control. Ham throwing pirates for a bunch of children. Wow, the wildest night was under the building. Nice job. So they packed up. Damn, Pat. <laughs> well, I guess we're gonna have to take control. Look out! Look out! Look out! 
Oh my, this is definitely an old school episode. Let's go ahead and get to a story synopsis from Jason. Cyclops, Storm, Banshee, Nightcrawler, Wolverine, Colossus, Children of the Atom, Students of Charles Xavier, Mutants. Feared and hated by the world they have sworn to protect, these are the strangest heroes of all. These are the X-Men. Stanley presents the Uncanny X-Men. called to save the savage land when we last left our intrepid heroes they were stranded in the savage land as garrick the petrified man enslaved the inhabitants to his will the x-men allied with kazar mountain offense against garrick city only to themselves be ambushed by the petrified man's guards mounted on flying dinosaurs colossus banshee cyclops and kazar are quickly captured leaving only wolverine storm and nightcrawler to mount a rescue attempt Wolverine leads the band to sneak into the fortress-like city, where, to their horror, they see Colossus being burned at the altar. With his armored form the only thing keeping him alive, is only moments remaining when Nightcrawler teleports in to free his friends, who are all bound to the altar. In the ensuing melee, Garrick flees to recharge his energy. Exchanging energy blasts with Cyclops only serves to destroy the already fragile ecological balance of the city, and the entire structure begins to come apart. As Garrick plunges into the core of the city, Storm does her best to rescue him, but her claustrophobia overcomes her, and she fails in her attempt, leaving her desolate and ashamed. As our heroes once again attempt to leave the Savage Land, they are again thwarted by a tempest that blows them out to sea. Will our heroes perish in the Antarctic? Will Storm get over her failure to save Garrick? Will Wolverine adopt Sabu as his pet? All will be revealed. Thank you, Jason, for that savage recap. Now let's go ahead and get to the the brick or brack for this issue. Is it a first read or a reread, Jared? First read, sir. Pat. Well, it's a first read for me, Pat. Delvin? It is also a first read for me. Jason? It is a reread for me. Oh. Sorry, guys. Sad. We're all facing disappointment tonight. <laughs> Rainbow is dead. Yeah. Locked in their basement. <laughs> Let's get into some high lows or what does. We will start with Delvin and work our way around. Wolverine gets my first high. He wasn't a jerk. Like, they finally start showing him some moments where he was the tactical leader of the team. And he made some very smart decisions. And we got to see that he was cunning and he was tough. And he could lead the team in a pinch. And these are traits that 
are just a given with Wolverine now, but we didn't know them about uh, him then. And so it was very cool for me to start seeing that stuff with Wolverine and not him just being a meathead jerk. I enjoyed it. Jared? All right, sir. I liked page one. Yeah. I like the art overall, but I like page one, the way they made the title into the side of the mountain. I just thought that was cool that's and cool. clever. I know it's highly specific, but... reminds that's... me. It reminds me of the issue where Cyclops was kind of thinking about... Uh, was it the set first issue or the second issue that we read? Where Cyclops was kind of lamenting about... Right, he was um, like off on his thunder. own, walking in the woods. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, some bad guy showed up to fight him. I remember that now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It was uh, the Vindicator, right? No, it was before that. It was like mm. some ancient totem yeah. monster came out of the woods. Oh, like I remember that one. Way yeah. back when we first started this. Yeah. Anyway, that was my high was was the page one. The way they worked the title into the art. I thought that was fun and cool. Jason? I'm going to give uh, my high to the um, Battle at the Altar I thought was really pretty cool. I love seeing Colossus bust out all red hot, just like just laying out those guards. That was super awesome. Nightcrawler's spectacularly long teleport to set off the chain of events that rescues the team. Cyclops, you know, blasting his teammates free and then taking on Garrick. It just was a a pretty good fight. I wish it would have lasted a little bit longer, but I really enjoyed it. Wasn't it refreshing, though, from last? (laughs) Well, and that was going to be my point. That was going to kind of be my point on this one. I enjoyed this story a lot more, and I think because it was a little more faster pacing going through this one, there wasn't overly words in this. It was more, let's get to the action, let's get to the fight, and kind of move on here. Because when we had that downer of, oh, they're not leaving? Okay, what are they going to do here? At least they turned it into something exciting for me, I thought. I agree with you, Pat. I think this issue was a small comeback. Well, a decent comeback from last issue. I mean, we didn't have people riding sharks through space. We can't have it all. No. I still think they did a lot better with the story on this one. There was a whole bunch of buildup in that first one. I say, I'm with you, Pat. I enjoyed it because it was a cool battle and mm-hmm. at least all of that build up. Well, there's a payoff for it that they set up this whole storyline and almost to the point that like nowadays you think that this storyline would go on, even though the storyline is still kind of going on, but just the Garrock storyline would go on for at least three or four more issues because say they explained so much in last issue that I'm surprised that they just let them have it out in that battle royale and just the next one and didn't continue it for a little bit. Yeah, definitely. I think having read the first one, you know, we understand where Garrock's coming from and what he's trying to do. And it was, this was just, let's go. We, you know, we got to get this guy done so we can get out of here. And they did. Let's go ahead and go to the second round. We'll start with Delvin. I'm going to go with another Wolverine moment, actually. Oh. It's sort of Wolverine slash Storm. Storm uncharacteristically failed. She has done some extraordinary stuff in Mm -hmm. the year and a half or so that we've been reading S-Men. We have seen how she is just insanely powerful with the thing. She has navigated space winds. She overcame her crippling 
claustrophobia to get them out of Magneto's base and into the Savage Land in the first place. And it took, really, for Sauron to sap her soul, which they finally discussed, and it made her just a little bit off of her game. She was a little bit drained. She was a little bit tired. And when she made that attempt to go after this guy who had just made their lives live in hell and she still went after him to save her, she finally broke. And she she just, and and even Claremont did a great job in describing it. It says she hesitates and then she lost. And it's like, oh, that was a great character moment. And it was followed by another one when Banshee was going to go over and see how she was. And Wolverine was like, no, let her be. Mm Mm-hmm. Like she just, just she failed, and she knows that she failed, and and she just she needs some time to herself, and it's like oh, two very good character moments, and this is a part of the lore. This is the great Chris Claremont when he does stuff like that because he is telling the story through his action, and you don't have to just be overly verbose about it. This is the Chris Claremont that makes him the stuff of legends. Agreed, Jared. I am going to throw in a high for Cyclops. I like the way he freed his team and went toe to toe with the, I guess, laser blast off and ended up falling down the chasm. And his final thoughts were, it looks like my number's up this time. I hope the others get out okay. That's why I love Cyclops. That's awesome. All he cared about was his friend surviving. Yeah, that was a good moment. Definitely a good moment. He gets a bad rap. People say he's a jerk, but he's kind of like Guy Gardner or Wolverine, mm. that character. You know, maybe you watched uh, Serenity or Firefly. It was Jane on that show. Everybody loves a character who's a jerk, but deep down inside, all he cares about is the team. Like, guess who's getting my extra mile? Garrock? Garrock. <laughs> yeah. The Petrich tribe, man? The Petrich farm, man? say the Petrich farms? <laughs> the Petrich farm, man? <laughs> You remember when I took over the Savage Land? Garak remembers. <laughs> I made you these cookies. <laughs> well, speaking of Garak, I think that's kind of the low point for me in this book. I think he was kind of a, um, he had potential, you know? There was potential there uh, that just didn't seem to get matched in the land of villainry, I guess. They made him out to be like this godlike character, but at the end of the day, wasn't really any more powerful than old man. Cyclops. Yeah. So, and I get it. They were saying, you know, cause he moved the city and everything he'd used all his power, but it just kind of seemed to be a, a little bit of a letdown. Uh, if I'm looking at X-Men versus the big boss at, at the end of the battle, I, I was left a little dissatisfied. Yeah, valid point, valid point there. You know what? I'm going to go mine with a what the, and my what the is right at the end there. They've obviously been to the Savage Land before. They know where it is, right? It's in Antarctica somewhere. So if you're leaving on a boat and you know you're going to go into back into Antarctica, wouldn't you want to bring some other clothing with you? <laughs> so you It's know, cold hey, out here. It's gonna be, yeah. <laughs> oh, baby, it's cold outside. <laughs> we we, we got to go in the storm, Jason. We've got to get that. <laughs> Granted, they may have not known they were going to hit some sort of a you know big storm on the sea there, but at least you know it's going to be cold. So why aren't you packing your stuff to to stay warm? You know, especially with storm. Well, we're going to talk about the weather stuff at the start of it from page one. 
Kazar is climbing up the mountain shirtless <laughs> in a loincloth, and it's freezing, and he's still like, oh, I'm good. Like, he's a regular human. Like, how are you good? Yeah. Oh. He's leaning up against that cold rock. Man, I'd be like, ooh. It's like, give me a cold shower. <laughs> I guess Kazar's made a sterner stuff than me. I could tell you that much. <laughs> Otherwise, overall, this was a decent story. The art was just incredible. I mean, we could just probably talk and talk about the art, but it is really great art here. Anybody have any final high, low, or what the, they want to add in? They were good. Nope. Okay. John Byrne can draw his That is That is true. Affirmative. All right. Well, let's get to who went the extra mile. Jared kind of already played his card on that, so we will we'll start with Delvin. I kind of played my card on it, too. I'm going with Wolverine on this one. I'm impressed with how he act. I'm looking forward to seeing more of Wolverine, who is not a jerk. I like that Wolverine. I don't like Wolverine, who was a jerk. Pat, you take it. I am tossed between Cyclops, and I am also with Storm. So, uh, you know what? I'm going to give it to Storm this round, because even though she tried, you know, she went back to try to do something. She may have kind of failed at it, but yes, I'm going to give it to her because she tried. There were many people who would have just left Garrock and not tried to rescue him. I would be one of those people. No one would blame you. <laughs> That's, yep. and, it's, and it speaks to the character who Storm is. As, as you guys know, I adore Storm. Storm is amazing. And mm-hmm. that just shows how amazing she is, that she cares enough even about her foes that she would go after. Them. That's cool. Jared, how do you feel about Storm? Thighs, then thighs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to give my high to Cyclops. Surprise, surprise. I love the fact that his thoughts were with his team in his dying moments. He was quick thinking. He basically defeated the main bad guy. I love Cyclops. I don't care who knows it. That leaves Jason. I'm going to agree with uh, Delvin on this one. I, I thought this issue really gave Wolverine some front and center action. He wasn't a jerk. He motivated his team. And quite honestly, if not for his leadership, half the X-Men would probably be dead right now. All right. Well, with the extra mile all the way, let's find out what we will rate this issue at. And as a reminder, it's a one through five. Five, you loved it. It gave you a ring to swing on. Four, you really liked it. Three, liked it. Two, didn't like it. And one, you hated it. It turned you into a baby. Jason. I know I'm probably going to be the high roller on this one, but I'm going to give this one a four. I really liked it. And mostly because this is the first time we saw Wolverine actually do what he could do. Communicating with animals, his healing factor, his unbreakable bones, his adamantium claws, his sense of smell and tracking. And finally, the leadership ability that Delvin alluded to earlier that just we haven't really seen. We've just seen him be kind of a jerk and a tough guy or a wannabe tough guy in some cases. And this is the first time I think we've seen the real Wolverine potential uh, in this run of the X-Men. Delvin. I give it a four as well. So you're not the high. I'm at least with Jason on that. I enjoyed the book and maybe it was just a great switch from last issue, which was a little bit of a snoozer. This one was not. It was action-packed. It had good character-driven action as well and good character-driven results, and I enjoyed that. So, four for me. Jared? I'll be the stick in the mud and give it a three. I do think it is a big improvement from last issue, but ultimately the entire story arc, I just don't care. (laughs) (laughs) 
that just don't care. I can petrified man. Did not blow my skirt up. Pat? Well, Jared, just like Kazar, you're going to be alone on top of that little mountain of yours against that cold. Because <laughs> oh. I'm going with the four. I'm yeah, you can't it. keep yourself warm with the three. That's <laughs> it's not enough to cover you, you know? That's right. You need the four. I think, like Delvin said, I really enjoyed the transition from the first issue that for in the story to this one with more action, more character development on the team as well, too. So I'm giving it a four. With that, that's going to bring us to the end of this part of the show. You got a comment or a question? Send us an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com or make a comment on the Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook page. We will be right back. Want to learn a bit about the Transformers? Think you know everything about Cybertron, but are looking to learn a little bit more? Enroll today at Transformers University Podcast. Each episode will tackle a piece of Transformers history, starting in 1984 and marching our way up to today. Hosted by me, Anthony Brucalli, three-time Emmy Award winner and consulting producer on Netflix's The Toys That Made Us, and lifelong Transformers fan. We'll go on a journey through cartoons and comics, toys and movies, and all the weird esoterica from around the world, chronicling the adventures of everyone's favorite robots in disguise. Listen to Transformers University on iTunes, Google, Spotify, YouTube, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Transform and roll out! Welcome back from the break. Now, let's get to the feedback part of the show where we share your comments, emails, questions, likes, and shares in a segment called Crusader Comments. We are thrilled to kick off these comments with special shout-outs to our Crusaders Club members. These are the fine folks that have joined our crusade. They enjoy discounts from Jared's online store, theyardsellartist.com, early access to special long box episodes, voting to help determine show content, a quarterly newsletter, and so much more. So these are the fine folks reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show. Angelica Wolf, Bill Beer, Blast It or Stash It, Bob Buster, Braxton Underwood, David Collins, Gene Hendricks, Gerald Green, Greg Van Leuven, I the Collector, Ivor Evans, Jeremy L., Jim Jarman, Joe Thomas, John Watson, John and Maggie, Jose Poyo, Maxwell Traver, Miranda W., Paul Hicks, Reggie Hancock, Rick of Jeff and Rick Present, Ross Michaud, Ryan Daly, Samantha Maney, Sean Urbanski, Steve Cronin, Tim Price, Toronto Cop, and one-time donor, Bradford Willie. If we missed anyone on our list, we apologize. Please keep in mind that we record these episodes well in advance of release, so if you're a recent addition, we should be adding you soon. But still, no worries. Just let us know that we missed you by sending an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com and we will get it straightened out. As a reminder, you can become a Crusaders Club member by heading over to patreon.com and searching for Longbox Crusade. For as little as $1 a month, you'll get access to the amazing world of the Crusaders Club. Come check it out. Don't have any extra scratch lying around, but still want to help us here at Longbox Crusade headquarters? Please take a moment to write a review on iTunes for this podcast. Even if you just want to keep it short or just start ratings, it helps raise the profile of the show, and we will share your review on the next show. 
We don't have any comments for this episode because last episode hasn't even come out yet. So we appreciate and love all of our fans. Stay tuned. We will get your feedback on an upcoming show. Thanks, everyone, for the follows, likes, shares, and comments. We appreciate your friendship and help in spreading the word for this podcast. And that's the show. Be sure to check out the website, longboxcrusaderchronicles.blogspot.com, where the post will be made for journaling this crusade. I want to thank Jarrett, Jason, and Delvin for joining me on this episode. But before we go, let's find out where the listeners can find us on the internet. Delvin. You can find me on Twitter at D-E-E underscore R-A-Y-1977. Jason. You can find me at Weasel Skull on Twitter or at Jason Albrick on Facebook or Instagram. Jared. I'm at Yard Sale Artist, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. And you can check out my YouTube channel. If you search Yard Sale Artist, you'll find me there. I'm drawing pictures. I'm showing Yard Sale items. It's a lot of fun. And sometimes you get to see Pop and Pat. Speaking of Pop and Pat, where can they find you? Well, Jared, I'm glad you asked. It's me, Poppin' Pat. And you can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. And if you want to interact with us via live chat and be entered to win some free stuff on our live raffles, join us on the next episode of Doing It Livestream over on YouTube. We do them on the second Sunday of every month, and we always start at 3.30 p.m. Central Time. You can get signed up for that by looking up Longbox Crusade on YouTube. Please subscribe to our channel and click the bell so you'll get reminder notifications for when we go live. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of Crusader Chronicles. You got a comment or a question, email us at contact at longboxcrusade.com or leave a comment on the Longbox Crusade Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter page at Longbox Crusade. Until next time, take care and please join us on the next episode as we continue on the crusade to read them all. Intro music for Crusader Chronicles is provided by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J O S E F L I M 99. You won't regret it. All songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics. Outtakes. Well, we're all back. Yes, he's back. Yeah. Back again. He's back. Real friends. He's back with his cats. Jason's back with his um, cats. Meow, meow, meow. Quick. <laughs> Where's it at in the scripts? In the LBC Coo folder. Is that on the internet? Mm-hmm. <laughs> do I go to a www.what? Where do I? The LBC Crew folder? www.uranus. <laughs> Damn. Uh, Look it up there. I, I don't think I want to go to that one. <laughs> I don't either. We're super freaks. Super freaky. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
It's got a cover date of December 1978. Oh, what a night! It was late September back in 63. Oh, Oh, what a very special time time for for me. Oh, my lady, what a night. Oh, my man, I'm a super freak. I'm a super freak. I'm a super freak. I'm a super freak. Oh man, I feel so bad. Pat has to edit our. <laughs> I'll make it work. When I ask Jason this important question, Jason, how would you rate this cover? Well, Pat, I'm gonna tell you. This is Sean. I'm stepping in for Jason here. It's a four. It's a four. <laughs> I'm ruining your little party. It's a <laughs> I'd give it a seven, but only I could be number seven. That's my Connery. I'm still not getting good at it. Yeah. I'm not a good at Con- I'm not good at Connery either. Not really. Are you interested, perhaps, in paying a subscription service? <laughs> That's the rage nowadays. Like, so if somebody makes like a astute Twitter comment or something like that, they're like, "My OnlyFans account is blah blah blah." I'm like, "Whoa! Wait a minute, are you hot?" I'm kidding. No. Listen, McDonald's. I just said I like your fries. <laughs> I didn't say I like your shake. Tell me. Okay, oh, wait, boy. wait a minute, Jared. Let me, Jared. Does, Pat, do you have? Pat. Yeah, yeah. Jason. Nothing. I just wanted to jump oh. in. <laughs> Jason's off the rocket like I am, man. Hang in there. You're doing good. Uh, Stay on target. Loosen up. Stay on target. You're too close. <laughs> Jason's Jason. mute. It's switched off. <laughs> Jason, switch your mute back on. <laughs> What's wrong? Nothing. Nothing. I'm talking it all in. <laughs> Got some good outtake material. <laughs> Jason, use the force. After these messages, we'll be right back. Jared. You can find him with his mute button. <laughs> was that me? Was I muted? No. Oh, Jared. That's what you f***ers get. All right, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Talk about your slick haircut, Jared. Johanna cut that. She clipped that? Mm-hmm. She's done my last two haircuts. She clipped it up, snipped it, and rubbed it down. Oh, no. That girl's a hairstylist. Never trust Joe Hanna's smile. Never trust a girl with a comb and a smile. 